Memories, difficult memories of places. Who's got those? Some of us, as third culture kids, um, talk about that longing or need even to return to places from our childhoods, countries that we have since left, homes even that we have left, and just the varied experiences of that process. People sometimes talk about a sense of almost completing the circle if they get to make those trips. A sense of being able to say goodbye if they weren't able to upon the first time of leaving. Being able to visit people, being able to reconnect with a part of themselves that kind of comes alive in those places. Others talk about the sadnesses, the sense of feeling dislocated out of place, the people having gone that made that place meaningful, the sense of it changing in their absence being very unnerving, the sense of life moving on without them being very sad. For some people, it's a really fulfilling, important, significant journey. And for others, it's just painful. And for others of us, again, we might not get the opportunity to do that. Either they're too expensive to visit or there perhaps are security issues we have to consider or time and vacation days um, to consider or perhaps there's just this lurking ambivalence in us that goes oh do I want to go back sometimes those places can feel somewhat haunted by our past lives our past selves the past relationships that we associate with them Something I want to explore today is the process that I call memory overlapping. Um, or you could just call it a memory do-over, really. When we have places that are deeply significant to our stories, they can be really hard to visit. Especially if there are painful or hurt, wounded parts of ourselves that would be revisited by going to that place. Perhaps we would see where things happened that hurt us, where people left us, where hearts were broken, where dreams were dashed. And we can very understandably go through life blithely avoiding them. And there's no shame in that. Sometimes the best thing we can do is create physical distance with some of the chapters of our lives. To avoid re-triggering ourselves, to avoid that wave of emotion that can sometimes just feel too big. There's a lot of 
internal processing work that needs to take place for us to come to terms not only with painful places in our pasts, but the people we were in those moments. Sometimes our biggest discomfort is with ourselves in those moments. We were too weak, too slow, too stupid. We made mistakes or we were pompous or we were self-righteous or we were judgmental or we abandoned friends or we basically were parts of ourselves we aren't comfortable looking at, aren't comfortable with. We cringe internally, remembering us then. And therapy is a good place to do some of that work. I often talk um, about mirror work in the therapy room and everybody hates it. <laughs> it's probably one of the suggestions that I make that is least popular and that is to build up slowly over time a sense of resilience whereby we can look at ourselves in a mirror and smile at who we are. We can look at ourselves with grace and acceptance and love and knowing. And we avoid this. We avoid this so much because it, looking in our own eyes is somehow deeply confronting. And especially when there are parts of us we dislike, we see those reflected in our face and we shrink from those. And I think returning to painful places is a kind of mirror work. It's a kind of walking in our own footsteps, walking through our own memories. I don't know if anybody listening has ever watched any of the Harry Potter films, but there's a concept in the series um, of the pensive um, or pensive um from the French, of course, you know, penser, to think. Um, very clever notion. Um, and it's a tool that the headmaster of the Wisdom School uses to extract a memory. And he places it in this dish. And if you lean forward into the dish, you can fall back into the memory. And you're able to sit in it and walk around in it as a sort of virtual reality set where nobody there is aware of you. But you are able to watch your own memory um, unfold and, and replay as many times as you want. And you can walk around it from as many angles as you like. And it's, a, it's an analytical tool that he uses to kind of understand things better. When we revisit our places, we're walking around, <clears throat> excuse me, we're walking around our memories in a very grounded way. We can kind of almost see ourselves pass in front of our own faces. We can place ourselves in different buildings and, and watch different memories and moments unfold. And if we aren't at peace with who we are in those moments, that can be very difficult. 
we don't, of course, have to be at peace with the incidents that are happening. Sometimes the best thing we can do is retain anger and horror at some of our experiences. But towards ourselves, peace and love is always an option. So memory overlaying is the process by which we revisit these places. Ideally in person, we walk the streets or touch the walls and we remember. But we do this in a very specific way with specific preparation to overlay that memory, to integrate it into our present life, to avoid that wave that sucks us magnetically into the past and threatens to not let us out again, we bring something new into that space. We bring a person that we feel very connected to in our present day. We arrange activities to do in that space that are very connected to our present sense of self. We construct a revisiting that is in itself an event in the present. So what do I mean by this? I recently, this last weekend in fact, revisited my university. That's probably the place that I have closest access to in terms of my story because it's in the country I'm living in now. And it was a really significant part of my story. I spent a good decade actually based at that university but in terms of living on on that campus um, a, a lot fewer years but the whole space is infused with memories good bad painful and different a whole coming of age experience that is so bittersweet and I have revisited it on a number of occasions but this time, I really intentionally walked the streets and went to look at buildings that held particular significance. I went and bought ice cream to eat in the grounds, which is an activity I would frequently do as a student there, but this time with different a whole different interaction where I felt in control, in control of where I went, in control of the narrative as I explained to my very patient audience why these places mattered and what we did where. Being able to process out loud in real time things from my past was really, really healing. 
there was a sense of peace. That was really important. Not all of us get this opportunity. But there is often a way that we can re-engage with past memories that keeps us very much in control and connected to joy and love in the present. Some people talk, for example, of finding the sound of a phone ringing very stressful and jarring. If, for example, they've lost a loved one um, and had an extended period of dreading the call from the hospital. The association with that phone call, that, that noise, is really, really negative and a common way of overcoming this is having loved ones ring regularly so that we begin to disassociate that phone call with pain and tragedy and we start to reassociate it with joy and connection and, and positive things. In the same way we can overlay memories of places with care, with intent, with a lot of support, we can reclaim territory. And I'm wondering how possible this is to do at a distance as well. Whether we can go into our mind's eye and focus on love and compassion for the person that we were in those spaces. Whether there's a way of bringing those places into our present day. So many of us do that, of course, with decor. We have um, bric-a-brac or statues or pictures or paintings that are, well, pensive portals to particular places and memories. And the way we do that is very much an in-control way, a controlling the narrative way. We don't put photos on our walls of our most painful experiences. We filter our stories. And that isn't always suppression, is it? It's a reclaiming of narrative deciding how we're going to remember something, how we're going to choose to integrate that memory into our lives. Just some thoughts. Do you have memories, as you're listening to me talk, do you have memories of places that you would want to revisit? How do you feel about making a plan to do so if that's just not possible what other ways could you connect with those places and the memories in those places what else might be possible I have memories in, of childhood um, many early mornings um, as a community at various points of the year we would climb the sand dunes and sit and watch the sunrise 
and that was such a time of peace and and I can't find a sand dune here in the UK. They are sadly lacking, but I can find hills. The sun still rises. That process of pilgrimage is still open to me if I wanted to reconnect with that experience and claim it for my own here. In this space, I could find a hillock and a sunrise. I would just need to bring blankets. So many of our memories just seem irrevocably lost. I'm just not sure that they always have to be. We grow up so compartmentalized in so many ways, the more we can draw these threads between our past and our present and make peace with them, integrate them, the more whole I think we begin to feel, the more in control of the script of our stories, the more in control of our own identities that we're presenting. What do you think? Thank you for listening. Bye.